0: Have you ever been indebted to someone? Not a great feeling, is it? Well, what about your spiritual life? Has there ever been a particular sin that has dominated you to the point where you became a slave to it? Well, on today's episode, we're going to be talking about how we can avoid falling into bondage. So turn to Galatians chapter 5, and let's get into it. Thanks for joining us on Stand Strong in the Word podcast with author, speaker, and worldview expert, Jason Jimenez. Stand Strong in the Word podcast is devoted to walking listeners through the Bible in a fresh and powerful way. We pray your spirit is nourished as you gain new perspectives and a renewed appreciation for God's Word. Now, here's Jason Jimenez. Well, hello, my friends. Jason Jimenez here. So glad that you're joining me here on Stand Strong in the Word podcast. I pray that you have entered 2022 with great vigor and more faith than you had the previous year and that you are praying as I'm praying for all of the listeners who tune in on a weekly basis that God will bless you and your families, that he would use you in a mightier way this year than the previous year. So take that blessing, my friends. And if you have any prayer requests or you have questions, Hey, reach out to me. I'd love to hear from you. You can reach me at info at standstrongministries.org. And as always, you can go to our main website, standstrongministries.org. Click on, there's articles, videos, or click on podcast. And there's two podcasts. There's the Stand Strong in the Word podcast that you're listening to right now, where we explore verse by verse the Bible in chronological order. Matter of fact, this year, my entire family... We bought them the New Living Translation Life Application Chronological Study Bible, which is fantastic. I've gone through it several times through the years, and now my entire family—my wife and four kids and myself—we're going through an entire reading of it, and it's just amazing. As we were talking the other night during you know our our meal together, just how it brings things to life, uh, you know, in a clearer way. Now, of course, the Bible is life, right? Life giving. But for my children, you know, sometimes it's just kind of choppy because you're moving around historically and they struggle trying to figure things out. And so we're following his timeline. And so I encourage you guys, if you want to study the Bible in chronological order, that definitely is my recommendation is the New Living Translation Life Application Chronological Study Bible. Now, of course, I cannot say here uh, in in an ultimate affirmity that I en- endorse every single Uh, explanation or diagnosis or exegetical remarks in the text. Of course, that would be impossible for you to endorse everything in any book. Uh, But the study Bible that we're reading, that we're going through, uh, does a great job. So I recommend that source to you. And so with that being said, as we now continue our study here in Galatians chapter 5, where we left off last time, again, that was podcast 177, today is 178, Last time we talked about standing firm in grace and we looked at just verse one. And the whole theme, just to give you guys a reminder here, is in Galatians 5 verses one through 26 is Christ has set us free, right? So that is our theme verse. And so in verse one, we, we looked extensively into that one verse on the last podcast, how we can stand firm in grace. And let me just tell you right here, right now, that that is the theme verse. Remember, that is the, the, the key verse, the highlighted, the big idea of the letter was in Galatians 5.1, which Paul wrote here, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. So we talked about how Paul transitioned into this third section now, where we're currently at where we're gonna be looking at chapter five and going to chapter six. And he takes the practical and the fruitful application of living in the freedom of Christ. And so he highlights here in verse one, you know, two parts, the first part, for freedom, Christ has set us free. That was summarized in chapters three and four. And the last part of verse one of chapter five is to stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Well, guess what? That's now where we're parked in chapters five and six, where Paul now will explain what that looks like as we are to walk in the freedom of Christ. Now remember, the word freedom in the Greek, the Greek is eleutheria. And it's, it, it carries the idea of being in the state of being free from an oppressive force. Now, you and I know as a follower of Jesus Christ, when we've been enlightened, when we have been freed from our sin and from death, from eternal damnation, that right there is freedom, right? Freedom from sin. Now on this side of heaven, as we live in this body or this body of death as Paul refers to it or refers to it as a tent, we will groan, we will suffer, we will have temptations, we will fall into temptation, we will be tested and we will doubt and we will lead, the doubt sometimes can lead to a rejection or a dejected faith. And that's all signs of the fall. Those are all effects of sin. But in some cases, sadly, in many instances among Christian Christians um, in general, uh, we can fall into bondage. Now, we have been saved from the oppressive nature of sin and the damnation that we have. And of course, the, the effects that Satan has on us, not entirely, as I mentioned earlier, because we're still living in this world. So we're not entirely free from the effects of sin but we know that we have been set free in christ and so the word was used to contrast people who were in bondage uh, to slave and so when paul says many times throughout scripture that you once were dead in your trespasses and sins so this word freedom here is we've been delivered from that It, it describes a new life that comes in christ and that we are to live in accordance to Christ's will. So we're no longer enslaved to the will of the flesh, the desires of the flesh, but we have been set free. And and, and as such, remember, in the imperative and through the signification of the indicative, because of what Christ has done for us, we are now commanded to live in that freedom because we have liberty in Christ. And so we are to stand firm. That's in the imperative. And that's an encouraging word for all of us, that we are immovable, my friends. You know, I say that because as we're now jumping into this next phase in the context of Scripture, you get a lot of Christians who just make excuses or live very saddened, depressed lives. We're not emboldened. And yet the Bible says we're not to be swayed. We're not to be tossed to and fro. We are to be bold in our proclamation. We are to... Go forth in the power of the Holy Spirit as we see the early church in the book of Acts and as we see demonstrated with how Paul confronts the sin of the Galatian people. And so this word submit we talked about is, again, not to be burdened or oppressed by something. Many of Paul's readers, remember, they were slaves or they had relatives who were slaves. So they understood the weight and the significance of this meaning. He also uses the phrase yoke of slavery. Now, that illustrated, again, what the law did to people, that you were never good enough. You're always burdened by having to live a life of perfection. So you had the religious leaders as the example, and you never were good enough. You can never achieve the status, the brilliance that they were at. That's a yoke of slavery. And remember, before you know, Paul talked about the yoke of slavery, when you go back to chapter 4, verses 22 through 31, he used Ishmael the slave son, and Isaac, the free son, as examples. And then he took that and applied us as children of God who follow after Jesus when Jesus said in Matthew 11, come unto me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So we don't take on the yoke of slavery. We as Christians, we take the yoke of Christ, which is gentle and lowly in heart. Don't you just love that? That's where you and I find rest for our souls. And I always Always go back in my own life to remind myself, Matthew 11, verse 30, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What a beautiful uh, and powerful and abundant word that we have here from Jesus. And that's the message that Paul was conveying to them. So now we look at chapter 5, verses 2 through 6. And the title here is Falling into Bondage. And here we're going to see in verses 2 through 4, there's three warnings. And as Paul lays out these three warnings, he then gets into the last part here in verses five through six about what true Christianity is. And this is important, my friends, because if we fail to uh, abide by these warnings, we will not have an authentic way. Or let me put it this way. We will not see authentically or live authentically what Christianity is, truly, that is. We can have a distorted view because if we take sin into our lives and we justify it. And again we're enslaved and so we have a distorted view. You know just think about it as some in the perspective of somebody who's addicted to a substance. They're not all there. They will betray you at all costs to get a fix. So they'll be manipulative. They'll tell you what you want to hear to get money or to get favor so they can advance their desires, their addiction. And you maybe were there at one point in your life. Maybe you're there even right now as you're listening. We pray for you that you find freedom in Christ. Perhaps you have a relative or a friend. I'm sure all of us listening, no matter where you're at around the world, we know people who are in bondage. So I pray this passage as we go through it, as you learn it contextually, that this will help you guys in your spiritual life. So let's jump right in and look at this first part, three warnings here in verses two through four. Here, Paul says, look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage. And then he says in verse three, I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You severed, literally, he says, you cut off, you estranged, you alienated from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. So let's just stop there and let's evaluate what these three warnings are, and then we'll look at what true Christianity is in verses five through six. Notice Paul's tone in chapter five is very direct. He warns the Galatians of the consequences that will follow if they decide to listen to the Judaizers who are insisting that they needed to be circumcised to be truly saved. Now, accordingly, Paul's first warning to the Galatians is this. And and you've got to put this in context. You think about as a a parent, as a grandparent, even as a pastor, maybe you're a pastor listening right now. We've all been in these situations where we tell somebody with child, uh, a congregant, Hey, if you decide to accept this, if you do something that runs contrary to God's word, or in this case, as Paul's saying, hey, if you guys replace the free gift of salvation with legalism, there's gonna be major consequences. It's not gonna end as you think it will. This is not gonna benefit you. This is not gonna help your relationship with God. So you say to a child, if you decide to disobey me, if you don't listen, if you go this route, if you, hang, if you continue to hang out with these people, if you continue to pursue this relationship, if you continue to have sex outside of marriage, if you continue to turn to alcohol or party or whatever the case may be, there is going to be major consequences. And eventually, if you don't get help, if you don't recognize you need help, if you, if you don't submit to God but rather you submit, again, to the yoke of slavery – it, it's going to get worse. And, and you guys, sadly, we know of cases where people die as a result, literally. They don't just die within. They can succumb to that lie of believing that this is what I need in my life. This helps me. And so the first warning here, Paul's saying, listen, Galatians, don't replace the free gift of salvation with legalism. I love how the New King James Study Bible puts it. Quote, Paul points out that being circumcised changes the entire orientation of salvation away from God's grace to one's own actions. One who is circumcised to gain God's acceptance is obligated to keep the whole law, In quote. You guys want to go back to the law? You guys want to implement the law into your, quote unquote, Christianity? Then expect to be obligated to keep the entire law. It's not as easy and free as you think it is. So this phrase, if you accept circumcision, the verb tense in Greek implies the Galatians were contemplating being circumcised. Therefore, the proper way to interpret Paul's delivery of the three warnings is to be in the hypothetical sense. So this is important because a lot of commentaries, a lot of preachers out there will take the context of Galatians and automatically label them as people who've abandoned Christianity already. And Paul's just trying to convince them to come back. Or others might think that into the extreme, maybe a more reformed position, is they were never saved to begin with because they would never have gone back to the law. Well, in actual fact, when you look at the Greek, this is in the hypothetical. They're contemplating. Remember, these are new Christians, you guys. You go back to the influence that these people were under. They don't have... What we have today, all the access that we have, even like this podcast, are breaking down things contextually. This is Paul's first letter. The gospels were not vastly circulated. So they, a lot of them only had what Paul had conveyed to them going back to Acts chapter 13 and a part of chapter 14. So they were not these mature Christians. So we have to understand that and also you know apply clarity and grace to the text. It's almost like Romans 3.20. It says, for by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. So Paul's saying, the more you guys go down this road, you guys will see that it's just more sinful than actually enlightenment. You're going to gain less insight than you think you're going to gain. Or as he says in Romans chapter 8, in verse 1, there's, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. So that's the contrast. I like how Jack Hunter put it. He says in the Galatian situation, this puts in perspective what I said earlier about this hypothetical that they're contemplating whether go back to the law or to add the law to Christianity. Jack Hunter says in the Galatian situation, circumcision to Paul was not a surgical operation nor merely a religious observance. It represented a system of salvation by good works. It declared a gospel of human effort apart from divine grace. It was law supplanting grace. Moses supplanting Christ, for to add to Christ was to take away from Christ. Christ supplemented was Christ supplanted. Christ is the only savior, solitary and exclusive. Circumcision would mean excision from Christ, end quote. So that leads us now to Paul's second warning here in verse three, where he says, I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. So again, the second one flows from the first. Here, Paul warns the Galatians that once they submitted to the law, they were bound to keep the entirety of the law. Now, more than likely, that wasn't something the Judaizers were cautioning the Galatians about, right? It's just like an advertisement. They're not gonna tell you all the, mishaps or the mistakes they're going to give you the best stats that they possibly can give you whether it's going to look at a new car and they're going to tell you the gas mileage is this when in fact it's maybe a little bit less or when they give the stats of an athlete they always kind of push them to be you know bigger and taller than they actually are And so you can imagine the Judaizers, they're not cautioning the Galatians. They're they're telling them all these wonderful things about how if they really wanted to be close with God, how they needed to add the law to their Christianity. They probably weren't telling them what the Talmud said, where it says, quote, a proselyte who accepts all the commandments of the Torah, except for one, is not accepted. So they're not telling them kind of like a disclaimer. Hey, you want to add the law to be more like Christ if you will because remember he was a Jew he fulfilled the law so you want to be like Christ add the law to your Christianity but just remember you break one you break and you broke them all they weren't saying that to them now remember because the law is a unit and so if a person put himself under any part of it for justification he is a debtor as the King James Version would put it to the entire code with its requirements and its curse go back to Galatians 3 verse 10 James chapter 2 verse 10 Dr. Chuck Swindoll writes, quote, The bite of legalism spreads paralyzing venom into the body of Christ. Its poison blinds our eyes, dulls our edge, and arouses pride in our hearts. Soon our love is eclipsed as it turns into a mental clipboard with a long checklist, end quote. Isn't that true? So Paul's trying to help the Galatians not to fall prey to the poison, to paralyze them with this false notion that they needed the law in order to fulfill Christianity. And, and, and Swindoll refers to that as a mental clipboard with this long or endless checklist that you're never quite there. Because remember, as we saw in Galatians chapter three, or excuse me, in Romans chapter three, I should say, verse 20, the law comes with knowledge of sin. It's a reflection saying, hey, you're, you're, you're a sinful person. It doesn't justify, it doesn't make you right. It just points out that you're a sinful per- you're a bad person. And so that's what Paul's trying to help them understand. So he says, you are severed from Christ. So he's saying, listen, if you do this, again, this is not in reference to a to loss of salvation. I'll get to that in a minute. So they just say that as a precursor. The The Judaizers were con- were trying to convince the Galatians that they lacked spiritual vigor. And one of our next episodes where I'm going to be talking about, I I refer to them as bondage leaders, okay? Or you can put in context of them being false teachers. And so here, one of the things that we have to understand that a false teacher will do is they'll say, hey, you want to be more special? Or as Satan told Adam and Eve, particularly Eve at first, is you want to be more like God? And so here the Judaizers were saying, hey, you want to have more spiritual vigor? then you need to do X and such. However, here's, here's Paul's third warning. Again, that builds off the first and the second. That if the Galatians were to move forward with exchanging grace or replacing, if you will, Christ, the free gift of salvation for the law, they would be forfeiting a joyous relationship with Christ. That's more specifically what he's talking about. You're going to be estranged from actually living what we're going to see in verses five and six to be true Christianity. The word severed here in the Greek is an interesting word. It means to render inactive. So again, it, it's, it's not that your salvation becomes inactive. The blessings, the fruit of your salvation becomes inactive. So Paul's use of the term is to point out how the Galatians released themselves from the free gift of salvation. Now, Paul's not claiming, again, that the Galatians lost their salvation. Nowhere in the text does it mention that. Is he referring to that? That's not the point. He's not saying, "Hey, Galatians, you—if you exchange the free gift of salvation, remember, because this is, this is more about what they think is right in accordance to salvation. Now, it could be wrong, and again, there will be consequences. But he's not saying that it, it, the Galatians lose their, you know, that they're going to be a, lo- it's going to be a loss of salvation the moment they turn to the law. Think about how many Christians sometimes, when you fall prey to something, you turn to something thinking it's." Of God, or you choose to do something in rebellion, but you try to label it as something that is uh, solely individually up to you, and almost taking a truth is relative to you standpoint to justify your actions. Or, you know, let me pray about it, or I have prayed about it, and God led me to this. That may not be the case. That may be completely and totally false. And so your justification is not grounded scripturally. And there will be consequences as a result of that. And that's what Paul's conveying here in his third warning. He's telling them that the economy, the law, will, for, will prevent them from growing in their faith in Christ and therefore cut themselves off from receiving the spiritual benefits that come with walking in the grace of Christ. So this term you're falling or fallen away from grace, again, the phrase in Greek literally means you left the sphere of grace in Christ and took your place in the sphere of the law. Now, Westward Study, okay, so let's look at the Greek here. This, this commentary writes, but because they had, that's the Galatians, they had lost their hold upon sanctifying grace does not mean that God's grace had lost its hold upon them in the sphere of justification because that's what the phrase here, "fallen away from grace means. It continues here, the commentary because they had refused to accept God's grace and sanctification is no reason why God should withdraw his grace for justification. They had received the latter when they accepted the Lord Jesus. The transaction was closed and permanent the moment they believed. Justification is a judicial act of God done once for all. Sanctification is a process which goes on through the Christian's life. End quote. So, see, that's so significant. So often you will read people who miss the the context here. They misinterpret it. And they take the phrase severed from Christ and fallen away from grace. Now, face value in English, I was just having a conversation with my daughter the other day about this. Sometimes in English, we don't render it properly. And so we have to be careful. And this is a prime example of that. It, It has to do with the sphere of grace in Christ in place of the sphere of the law, not a rejection of justification or a loss of salvation, but more of them not walking in sanctification. So that is so important. So now we look at, we saw those three warnings and now we enter into the true model of what Christianity is all about in verses five through six. So Paul says here, for through the spirit, verse five, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. Verse six, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. So in verses five and six, Paul lays out a brilliant summary of Christianity. You say, well, Jay, how so? I don't maybe, as I heard you read these verses or as I'm even looking at it right now, I I don't see that. Well, let's look at it. First, notice in these two verses that Paul refers to the Holy Spirit. Paul talks about faith. Paul talks about ultimate justification. Paul talks about spiritual maturity. And he also talks about love. So let's break these things down and see why this encapsulates true Christianity. One, notice that Paul transitions to we to stress that our walk with God is in the power of the Holy Spirit by faith. See, that's Christianity. You can't be a follower of Jesus Christ. You can't be a Christian unless you're indwelt by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we accept Jesus Christ into our life by confessing with our mouth and believing in our heart. We have faith. We put our faith and trust in him. If you go back to chapter 3, verse 2 of Galatians, Paul pointed out that we receive the Holy Spirit by faith. Remember, not by works. In chapter four, verse six, Paul reminded the Galatians that God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. We will see later in chapter five, verse 16, that we are to walk by the spirit so we don't gratify the desires of our flesh. And we'll also see in chapter five, verse 18 later, where Paul affirms this truth. If you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. So in these warnings, Paul is saying, hey, if you guys are led by the spirit, don't go down this road. Just like when you and I are convicted not to fall into particular sin. You know, you're in a relationship and you have the desire to have sex. Hey, that's a desire that God has given human beings to have because sex is a gift. It's a beautiful thing in context of marriage, not outside of marriage. And God says He's giving you a way of an escape that you can overcome those desires. And if you're led by the Spirit, you won't fall prey to sin or fall prey to a heretical teaching. So thus Christianity isn't about what we do to earn salvation, but rather it's what Christ has done in giving us the free gift of salvation. And so another form of Christianity that we see that's so true is this phrase that we are to eagerly wait. The Greek word is only used seven times in the New Testament. It's in reference to the return of Christ. So true Christianity, you guys, identifies that we are the bride and that Christ is our bridegroom and that we, as we are listening to this podcast right now, whatever you have planned for the rest of the day, we are to eagerly wait no matter what is going on in our life, no matter what responsibilities, what duties, what titles we hold in this side of heaven, we are to eagerly wait for the return of Christ or as Romans 8.23 says, and not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit grown inwardly Catch this as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. End quote. Another aspect that we see of true Christianity is this reference that Paul puts here, hope of righteousness. Now, this isn't referring to the imputation of Christ, but the culmination of when we finally experience the fullness of our blessings in eternity. In chapter six, verse eight, Paul writes. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. The IVP New Testament Commentary writes, In the past, when we put our faith in Christ, at the beginning of our Christian life, God created righteousness to us. In the present, by the power of the Spirit, God produces righteousness in us. Or, to put it in more theological language, our righteousness credited to us by justification, produced in us by sanctification and perfected in us by glorification is always a gift received from God by faith, end quote. So guys, we have been justified and we are to live a sanctified life, meaning we are to walk holy as we pursue the will of God in our life. And number three, we anticipate the glorification, knowing that we will one day be glorified in our resurrected bodies. So that's a culmination of the trueness of Christianity. Verse six, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. And finally here, Paul wraps up this section of the letter with a statement about Christianity. Notice in verse six, Paul isn't claiming that faith as a Christian is passive, quite the contrary. What Paul is saying is that works of righteousness are only possible by faith working through love. Now, he's gonna demonstrate this in the remaining of the chapter, verses seven through 26. So we'll pick things up in our next podcast. But let me just say this in closing. True Christianity here is, again, by only faith working through love. We as Christians are disciples of Christ. And Jesus says, they will know you by the love you have for one another but it's not just loving others. It's loving his commandments because his commandments are not burdensome. We see John the apostle saying that in 1 John 5 verse 4. When you go back to John 13, we are to be submissive to his commands. You go back, you look at John 14, he continues that the case of that. So it's not just love is love, love others and just accept them for however they see themselves and whatever particular beliefs they hold or worldview that is. No, that's not, love entirely we know when it comes to love there is discipline there's restrictions there's boundaries there are standards and that's what paul's saying here it's not being circumcised or because you're uncircumcised that counts for anything but only faith working through love and so my friends as i close look at your life right now is there particular bondage in your life that you need to recognize and get help in and not only that but as you look at christianity you can say well jay i'm not in major bondage praise god I, I once was and i of course i have sinful things i do there's lust there's doubts there's insecurities there's greed there's envy there's jealousy things like that and sometimes they can perpetuate a particular mood or behavior that is not right that's inappropriate that's ungodly and you are working through those things whether you're You know, in the word of God every day, praying every day, seeing a counselor, going to church in a small group that's working through these things with your life. Those are all great things, but let's not neglect doing good. Let's not neglect in our faith as Christians working through love. We can always love more. We can always love God more. So as I close, I just want you guys to be challenged to look at your life today and say, yeah, I may not be in major bondage of sin, praise God, but how can I love God more? How can I love his word more? How can I love others more? Because it's only faith working through love that really demonstrates how we as Christians ought to be living in this world. Now we'll pick things up as we look at legalism in verses seven through 15. And then after that, verses 16 through 27, we'll see how we are to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. So I pray this message in Galatians 5 has been a blessing to you guys. As always, you guys can go to StandStrongMinistries.org. You can check out our videos, articles, the books I've written, and my other podcast, Challenging Conversations. You guys can take a listen. That's on the Christian Post, the Edify Network, which is an opportunity to, to dive into discussions with leading experts in, the, in, in various different fields to help you as a Christian know how to defend your faith in the cancel culture that we're living in. So take advantage of that podcast as well. Until next time, keep standing strong, my friends. For more information on Jason Jimenez and Stand Strong Ministries, visit us at standstrongministries.org. Thank you for listening, and keep standing strong in the Word of God.